0: Hi, and welcome to Yokine Baptist Church. This is a sermon recording taken from one of our regular church services. You can find out more about us as well as more recordings like this one on our website, yoakinebaptist.church, or by connecting with us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you're encouraged by this message and that it draws you closer to God.
1: Do you remember the days before Facebook and Instagram, when um, nobody cared what you had for lunch? Well, they still don't. Nowadays, we seem to spend so much of our lives online and we use social media to post photos of every activity. For some people, it seems they put a photo of every meal they have. It's really annoying. It seems like everyone wants to be famous, you know, as if our, our life is more important if we get more likes. We'd all like to think that we'll be remembered after we die, you know, that somehow our lives have made an impact. But the truth is that for most of us, we're ordinary people, and after a while, we will be forgotten. And I guarantee you, ...that when you are living your glorified life after death, you won't even care. I'm 100% certain that the moment I stand in the presence of my Lord and Saviour... ...I won't care at all what anyone on earth thinks about me. None of that will matter anymore. The Apostle Peter knew that he was soon going to be standing in the presence of the Lord. He was condemned to death for preaching the gospel of Christ... And it didn't matter what people thought about him. I know Peter didn't care what people thought about him. Because Mark's gospel is actually Peter's gospel. It's Peter's story. And Peter didn't care if there were things in it that made him look bad. Because Peter often said and did stupid things. And he didn't say to Mark, oh, don't put that in there. Like the story that, um, that Simon read to us you know, it says that Peter was so afraid, he didn't know what to say, and so he just blurted out, oh, you want me to make a shelter for you? Like, why? Moses and Elijah have just come down from heaven. What, they, they need you to make them a shelter? And Peter's, Peter was just so confused. He was so afraid. He just didn't know what to say. And, and I love that about Peter, that he didn't care that his gospel is full of occasions where he said and did stupid things. You see, Peter wasn't concerned about how people saw him after his death. What he cared about was how people saw Jesus and that they responded to Jesus' message. So this letter that we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks is not about Peter, it's about Peter's Lord. And Peter is only important when he points to Jesus. So, in today's message, we're going to look at Peter's testimony, we're going to look at the apostles' eyewitness testimony, and we're going to look at the scripture testimony about Jesus. So, let's start with Peter's testimony. You know, Peter was never going to die in his bed. He always knew that his service for Christ would mean that he would die a violent death. Jesus himself prophesied this. Uh, At the end of John's gospel, uh, Jesus said to Peter, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. I've got my wife dressing me, making me look good. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted. But when you're older, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and they will lead you where you do not want to go. And Peter explains that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And so in this final letter, Peter begins to reflect on what it means that his life is coming to an end. And he uses very similar language to Paul when he describes his body as a tent. In other words, this body is something, you know, temporary. You know, we normally live in a house. You only live in a tent on a temporary basis, you know, when you go on holiday somewhere. And even if we're to live for a hundred years, our lives are still very brief in this body compared to the eternity that awaits us. And so we're picking up Peter's, uh, Peter's first chapter uh, and we're going halfway through this. Um, we're in Second Peter chapter 1 and we're about halfway through the chapter, picking it up from verse 12. Peter says, so I intend to go on and go on and on reminding you about all this, even though you already know it and you've been firmly established in the truth that has come to you. But it seems right to me, as long as I'm living in this present tent, to stir you up with a reminder, since I know that I shall shortly be putting off this tent as our Lord Jesus the Messiah showed me. So I shall be making every effort to ensure that once I'm gone, you will be able to call these things to mind at any time. Peter is concerned that the churches have his writings. Not so they will remember Peter, but so that their faith in Christ will be strengthened. He knows that false teachers have infiltrated the church. He knows that false teachers are going to continue to try and infiltrate the church for as long as the church is around. For 2,000 years we've been battling with this. His writings form part of the foundation that we build our faith on. And so Peter tells his, his churches that as my life is coming to an end, I'm making every effort to make sure that my letters and my gospel are distributed so you've got them as a sure foundation. You know, it's, it's very easy for people to make outrageous claims. Um, I see outrageous claims every day that I turn on the, on the TV. But it's easier to judge those claims when we've got some form of agreed written statement as our basis. You know, it's like trying to tra- play a board game with your kids. And they keep inventing rules as they go, you know? Um, or if you've got a friend that likes to cheat and make up rules as he goes, it's not very satisfying. It's much better if we both agree to a written standard of rules before we commence. Now, like Peter, each one of us has a testimony, each one of us is a witness. Now, some of us might think our testimony is not very exciting. You know, oh, you know, it's not like I was a bikey and I was into drugs and now suddenly I'm preaching the gospel. You know, that's, my, life, my life testimony is boring. But, you know, all of us has a testimony and it's not boring because it's about God. God has changed your life whether it's in small ways or great ways, it is about the creator of the universe choosing to come into you and transform you. So our testimony doesn't have to be exciting or clever or eloquent. The apostle Paul said something similar. In Corinthians, he wrote, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing when I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You see, people can argue with your opinions they can debate with you about your spiritual understanding. But it's a lot harder for people to simply dismiss your testimony, because when you can say to someone, look, this is actually what God has done in my life, that's powerful, and that's something that's hard to argue with. So, that is Peter's personal witness. Next, there's the witness of the rest of the disciples. Now, as far as these false teachers go, Peter did not agree with them that the resurrection of Christ was just some sort of, you know, spiritual event. For Peter, it was an actual, literal, physical raising of Christ from the dead. The disciples were eyewitnesses of that fact. And Peter, James, and John also had a sneak preview of the glory of Christ when they witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus and his conversation with Elijah and Moses. That's the passage that Simon read to us and that's what Peter's talking about when he continues in his chapter 1. He said, when we made known to you the power and appearing of our Lord Jesus the Messiah, you see, we weren't following cleverly devised myths. Rather, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received glory and honor from God the Father, a voice spoke to him from the wonderful glory. This is my beloved, my son, in whom I am well pleased. We heard this voice spoken from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter was an eyewitness, now, you may know that I did my um, theological degree at Tabor College, and uh, up the top there is the, the new Tabor logo, the bottom is the, the, the old logo, but you can see both of them have basically this stylized mountain. It's meant to represent uh, Mount Tabor, uh, which is one of the potential sites for the Transfiguration. And the motto of Tabor College is Witnesses of His Majesty. We are all called to be witnesses of the majesty of Christ. But the disciples kind of went one better. They were eyewitnesses of His Majesty, both at Mount Tabor and later after the resurrection. So, Peter wants his readers to know, Look, you don't have to just accept my words. My word is backed up by the other disciples as well. Now, the good news for Peter's readers is that most of those guys were still alive and kicking. Most of them were still going around telling their first-hand testimony of what happened. Most of them could be challenged about what they saw, and they could back it up with evidence. But none of the false teachers could say this. None of them knew Jesus personally. None of them had had witnessed his miracles. None of them had listened to his teaching. And when Peter's talking about these false teachers, uh, he says of them, uh, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. In their greed, they will exploit you with fabricated stories. Peter's stories are not fabrications. They are the faithful testimony of one who was an actual witness. And he appeals to his readers to weigh up what he says by comparing it to the witness of the other disciples. Don't just believe me, he says. Check what I say against the others who were also there. So Peter has no doubt about the certainty of the resurrection and because of that he has no fear of his own death. You see, he's seen Moses and Elijah and he has confidence that he's going to be with them also after death. So he is willingly going to his death for Christ knowing what will come after. But there's one more little aspect, and well it's not really little, Uh, there's one more aspect to Peter's testimony here. He sees not only is his testimony backed up by the other disciples, but his word is affirmed by God himself. You know, there have been very few people in the history of the world who have actually heard God's verbal voice. Not many people have actually heard that. I've heard people maybe claim it, but we'll get to that. Um, But there are very few people who have heard the voice of God. And Peter's one of them. But Peter doesn't say this to, to big note himself. Uh, it's not like God you know, kind of stopped by for a chat with Peter and said, oh, Peter, you're really important. I wanna have a talk with you. No, no, God spoke to affirm the deity of Jesus Christ. That's why he made that solemn declaration. This is my son, my beloved. In uh, in Judaism, throughout the Old Testament, we're told that the Messiah would be a great leader like Moses. And that the coming of Messiah would be announced by Elijah. And these two giants of scripture, Moses and Elijah, were two people who had heard the audible voice of God. So they could attest when that voice came down for heaven, yep, that's him, we've heard it before. Moses and Elijah could say, yes, I can tell you 100%, this is God's voice. So we have lots of witnesses to back up, Peter. We have the other apostles. We have Moses, we have Elijah, and we have God himself. Finally, Peter turns to the witness of Scripture. Now, speaking of tents, I haven't been camping for a while, but I'm, I'm not a morning person usually. But when I go camping, I do tend to get up a little bit earlier. Usually it's because I want to go fishing or something like that. And there's something really nice, you know, when you get up before dark and you see the sky just starting to lighten, you know, and it turns this dark purple and and then gradually just starts to lighten. And depending on the time of year and where you're looking, you can often see this big bright star. And it's not actually a star, it's the planet Venus, but it's called the morning star. You know, just as that horizon turns into day. For Peter, the morning star which shines in our hearts is the promise of Jesus himself. In uh, verse 19 he says, we have the prophetic word made more certain and you'll do well to hold on to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star shines in your hearts. You must know this first of all that no prophecy is a matter of one's own interpretation No prophecy came by human will. Rather, people were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. As Christians, we look forward to a further horizon, just as Peter did. We look forward to the time when Christ will return in glory and God's kingdom will be here in all its fullness. But we don't simply have to wait in darkness until then. Jesus has already been revealed. The morning star has already come up and so we know that the dawn is certain. We know this is supported by eyewitness testimony and now Peter wants his witnesses to know, his people, his readers to know that everything that he witnessed and everything that he taught is consistent with the testimony of Scripture. And so he's, uh, in Numbers, we have this prophecy. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of, out of Israel. Peter says, that is Jesus, the morning star, the fulfillment of all prophecy. You see, we don't just need to take Peter's word for it. You know, Peter asks us to go back to the scripture and see if his word is consistent with everything that God has already revealed. Centuries of scripture were well known to his readers. Everything in scripture was looking forward to the coming of Christ. And here it is revealed in Christ. His transfiguration at Mount Tabor and his resurrection from that tomb prove who he is. And so what Peter gives us here, I I talked a bit about guardrails last week, but he gives us another set of guardrails to guide us on our way. Um, You know, it doesn't matter what the preachers on the internet say. It doesn't matter what I say if it doesn't match with Scripture. Scripture is our guardrail. Everything we say, has to be backed up in scripture and that's the difference between Peter and the false teachers. They were claiming to have some sort of special revelation from God and yet it contradicted what God had already revealed. You know the, ba- the Bible contains you know a remarkable range of material. You know it's got poetry, it's got history, it's got prophecy, it's got these weird symbolic revelations, it's got all sorts of stuff, it's got all sorts of different genres. It's got all sorts of different authors. It was written over thousands of years. And yet it all has one divine source. God was working through all the authors to breathe his words into them. God breathed is the word, inspired the word of God. And so, like all the early Christians, Peter holds firm to two important truths the ancient scriptures and the revealed son of god until we see jesus we don't fully know how to interpret the old testament scriptures and if we don't know the old testament scriptures we don't really understand what jesus was all about the two of them work together together The Scripture and the Son are what Peter would call prophecy made sure. So let's wrap up our service this morning. Peter is worried about his churches. He knows that false teachers are trying to disrupt them. And so he gives us some guardrails to keep them on the right path. And so firstly, we have Peter's personal witness. This is consistent with and backed up by the eyewitness testimony of the other disciples. It was backed up by the eyewitness testimony of the greatest prophets of the Bible, Moses and Elijah. It is even backed up by the very words of God himself. You know, nowadays you can hear spiritual teaching everywhere. All you have to do is turn on your TV, usually at some ungodly time of the morning when you can't sleep. I encourage you not to do that. I'd rather you watch, listen to music or read your Bible or something because those guys, some of them are absolutely way off beam. You could go to the internet and YouTube and you can hear all sorts of preachers. Wow, some of those guys are way off track. You know, the way we discern truth from falsehood is to know the Word of God to know the Word of God. If it doesn't measure up with the Word of God, it's not true. If it contradicts the Word of God, it is absolutely not true. Because we have the Word of Scripture as our ultimate witness. You know, this is like our rule book for the game of life. You know, we can all argue about how the game is played, but here are the rules. It's all written down by God. What Peter and the Apostles taught was not something radical and new. It was a fulfillment of thousands of years of prophecy. It was the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. You know, it's been said that there's nothing new under the sun. You know, it's all been said before. And and that's pretty true. I can't really tell you anything completely new. I might have a certain slant on it, or I might sort of focus on one particular aspect of a scripture or whatever, but I can't come up with something new. Because I'm not God. I can't contradict what he's already said. I can only help you to understand what he said, and then you've got to weigh up my words. Does that match? Does that gel with scripture? Like Peter, we need to hold both the written word, and the living word the Bible and Jesus scripture introduces Jesus and Jesus explains scripture together they are the morning star that rise in our hearts giving hope that however dark the night might be the dawn is coming and we are his witnesses through us that light shines out into the world let's pray our wonderful Lord we thank you for your word Lord we thank you that there are wonderful preachers and people who spend their life studying your word and and exploring it and explaining it to us and we are so grateful that you've gifted those people to do that but Lord we never want to take a man's teaching as being superior to yours Lord, your word is the ultimate truth. In fact, you describe your son as the word, the truest expression of your word. And so, Lord, we know that we have the Old Testament, the New Testament, and we have Christ himself. Together, these are the word that we run our lives on. These are the things that form the foundation of our faith help us, Lord, to always be faithful to your word. Lord, help us to be wise enough to judge what we're hearing in accordance with your word. Help us, Lord, to be people who study your word so that we know it well, so that when someone comes and speaks some rubbish, we'll know instantly that it's not you, that it doesn't gel. Help us, Lord, to be sensible, intelligent Christians. Lord, we don't want to check our brains at the door when we walk in the church. We don't want to check our brains at the door when we open up our laptops and look at YouTube. We want to be intelligent, Lord. We want to be people who are faithful to your word. Because, Lord, we know that it is your word that reveals Christ. And we know that it is only in Christ that we have our salvation. So help us, Lord, to remain faithful. Help us to be always willing to be your faithful witnesses. Whether our testimony might seem exciting or it might seem dull, whether we feel like we're confident speaking or not, help us, Lord, just to share what we've witnessed, what what you've done in our lives, Lord. Help us to share that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us today and extra thanks to those that have donated to us online. It's your generosity that enables us to continue our ministry to the local community and beyond. It's because of you that our ministry is possible. If you would also like to support us, visit ybc.church/give. You can also access our website to find out more about our community by visiting yokinebaptist.church.give or by connecting with us on Facebook. If you've enjoyed listening to this message, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.